dear listener, welcome to another episode of the 10 Laws with East Forest podcast. I'm back. I did one last week and the week before. So see, it was it was every week, even though I said it was probably going to be every two weeks. But sometimes you just get inspired and want to put stuff out. And I'm always looking for interesting guests to have on this podcast. So if you have ideas, send them my way. Info at eastforest.org. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to get another one out. I had this conversation with Alan Macy, who's someone that I met at Esalen. And he's a really cool guy, very interesting, very sweet, and he's got some interesting art that interfaces with the human body and consciousness, and I think you'll find the conversation interesting in a lot of ways. So that will be today, but first I just want to remind you that I'm coming to Colorado really soon. I'll be in Durango, Denver, and Grand Junction on November 8th, 10th, and 11th, respectively. And those are all places um, I haven't been to. Some ever. I've never played in Durango, I don't think. And uh, it's been a while since I've been in Denver. In Grand Junction, I was there with Trevor Hall on the tour last fall. So really happy to be back. Please check those events out. I'm excited about all of them. And then right after that, we're going to be with Marissa Wepner at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California. And that's a retreat that still has some spaces left, November 16th through 18th. So that's the one just before Thanksgiving. And I've been talking about Esalen because I don't want you to miss out if you're thinking about this. It's such an incredible place. Imagine like rolling hills, just this most stunning manicured type gardens and trees and creeks running into the ocean. Everything's just hugging the cliffs of Big Sur, California, which is just south of the Bay Area there or north of Los Angeles. And you can fly in if you're flying into uh, SFO or San Jose, and there's a shuttle that can take you down there. This is just like a Friday to Sunday night retreat, so it's pretty quick turnaround. If you're looking for a little getaway, I can't recommend this highly enough, especially just, I mean, come on. You get to like sit in hot tubs, hot spring water, hovering above the ocean with all this marine life out there. And then in our downtime, (laughs) we're going to be in a cozy room together, diving deep into East Forest music and exploring how we can explore that with our consciousness and our bodies with Radha, a.k.a. Marissa Wepner, doing some yoga and some other meditation. And it's just going to be magic. We're going to just totally let go and dive in. It'll be a very restorative weekend. So you can learn more about that at eastforest.org slash retreat. And there's info and you can click on that Esalen site. They have all sorts of info about you know, different pricing options that really just depends on where you want to stay there, which varies a lot. So I hope to see you there November 16th through 18th. If you have the time, the inclination and some spare shekels, I think it will be worth it for your heart and for your mind. Um, so big news that I've not talked about on the podcast before is the Ramdas project. I've been felt, I felt so coy all these last weeks and months when I'm always like, oh, I've been working on this thing in the studio or I'm working on a new project and I'll tell you more about it soon. And that's just because we were trying to get it together so we could announce it to you. And it was announced recently for those of you on the East Forest mailing list. We uh, sent that out and it's, it's obviously very exciting. I went out there in June. I won't tell you the whole story now. We actually have a uh, podcast in the future that's sort of like a debrief that I recorded 
right after I got back from going out to Maui to interview Ramdas when everything was fresh in my head. And so that will give you by far the best picture of what that particular trip was like. But the album itself is going to be a full-length record that is basically new teachings from Ron Das that I recorded in person set to new East Forest music. And I think we got about 12 to 14 different little subjects. So they're all sort of micro teachings that, you know, each one wanted a different kind of music. And I just really tried to serve the teaching that was coming through and write music that I thought would fit that best and honor his legacy and his wisdom and I really couldn't be happier with it. We we got Trevor Hall guesting, featuring on one of the tracks. And just today, actually, I got approval from Christian Doss on a mix I sent him. He sent me some tracks. And both of those tracks will be coming out in January. So we're going to re- release it in four sections. And that's so we get some time to digest each of these 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 chapters, as we're calling them, and dig into the topics a little deeper. You know, we don't... Just need to throw it all out and then forget about it after a couple of weeks. We want this to be a conversation that is not just between me and you, but between you and your community and you and yourself, and one that we empower you to to get together and to listen to this stuff. And we can encourage you to have maybe we can all have group events on the same night and sort of like a live global meditation and spur a new story being told and spur deeper conversations. And because we all know that Ram Dass, when he talks about any of these subjects like death or dark thoughts, uh, the nature of soul, that he's, he's got a lot more to say on it. And there's some deeper meaning and talks for you to dive into. And I want to be a catalyst, a nodal point, a nexus point for this stuff, for all of us and for an entire new generation, because his message is one of, it's very universal and not something that's very easy to argue with or be triggered by too many, you know, buzzwords or new age words. It's kind of like things that telling people to love everyone and tell the truth as a methodology for living is pretty tough to argue with. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely something I can get behind. And it's been an honor to work with Ramdas and the Love Serve Remember Foundation, everyone there, Ragu and the whole team, to put this together. So the first chapter is scheduled to come out in January of 2019. And if you get on our mailing list or just kind of stay on social media, you'll you'll hear more about it if you want to be the first or even get early access to some of that stuff. But it's coming, man. Boy, is it coming. And it has definitely been the thing I've been working on the most Lately, I've been in the studio a lot, doing a lot of mixing. Before that, a lot of writing. And um, I really wanted to share that process with you, but it's here I am. <laughs> I'm sharing it. So Ramdas East Forest Project is coming soon. And I'll, I'll give you more stories about how that unfolds as it unfolds. I'm actually standing in front of a painting we had commissioned uh, Liz Hilton, Elizabeth Hilton painted it and she painted basically a portrait of Ramdas and out of his head, she's a mixed media artist. So she used bits of his books, uh, com- coming out of his head and rays are like all these words and around his neck is a lay, like a Hawaiian lay of flowers, but it's actually green leaves and his 
face is uh, white bearded with kind of a multicolor on his skin with these beaming eyes. And this is going to be our, our front cover art. So that's something that we put in motion several months ago. And I'm uh, sort of coincidentally set down my recording equipment just in front of it to record this. And he's staring at me. <laughs> Hi, Ram Dass. Um, Yeah. What a journey, man. What a trip. I'll tell you more about it soon. If you have any questions about it specifically, hit them, hit them my way. And on that note, don't forget before we get into this, uh, scroll down on the page there if you're on your iPhone or if you're in Apple Podcasts or wherever you are watching it. If there's a methodology to review this podcast, it means a lot and it does a lot. Give it the five-star review and even better, type in a few sentences for a review online because... I read them, and they also make a big difference on other people. You know, taking the leap to say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out." I actually had one that I wanted to read. This was from Brooke Harrelson, eighty-eight, wrote a review that says, "East Forest translates the intangible and abstract ideas of consciousness to practical, scientific, and inspirational ideas." He interviews highly credible and intellectual people and asks the questions that make us think. My favorite podcast yet. You see, I mean, it's nice to hear. Thank you very much, Brooke. But you know, if I was digging through podcasts and I ran across that, it might make the difference for me to say, sure, I will, uh, I'll give that a shot. Here's another one from Mola Magnet. Mola Magnet. Mol, Mol, Mola Magnet. Five stars. Just discovered this and I'm enjoying the interviews in Raw Style, exploring the depth of lives and that live outside the mainstream and their influences. Thank you for the beautiful meditations and added bonus with your music, expanding my consciousness. Well, I hope you did like the meditation last week. I try to do those when I get inspired and I hope that once I have a whole bunch of them, we can put that into an album of itself of just meditations. We're building a new story together, folks. Really appreciate you listening. So I think this is a good time to get into our conversation with Alan Macy, which is just about all this stuff exactly. So here it is. He was in a hot tub, by the way, when we, we do these on Zoom a lot. And so I can so we're on video so I can see him. And he's, he's sitting there in his hot tub in Santa Barbara. So here we go. Into the hot deep with Alan Macy. So where where are you? Are you in a hot tub or a pool right now? Because I'm just trying to wrap my head around uh, the mise-en-scene of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm soaking in hot water. This seems a little bit unfair. I am in uh, the rain in the high desert of southern Utah right now, and there's actually snow falling up uh-huh. in the hills around me. Well, I just came from snow. I was in Montana just before this. I just arrived in a couple of days ago, um, late at night. So I totally know the feeling, but um, I like the snow. I like the snow too. It's just, you know, when I see you on a video, literally doing a podcast in a hot tub, I have to say that's definitely the way I could be doing this for sure. I should get my own (laughs) hot tub and 
I did one in a sauna once. That was nice. But... <laughs> this is next well, level. Uh, Trevor, I'd be happy to get out of it if that would make you feel better. No, no, that, that'd make me feel terrible. You should definitely enjoy it. <laughs> so um, I wanted to, <clears throat> just for the people who don't know, you know, we met through Esalen and got into some work with Mikey Siegel and I wanted to get into a little bit about because I dug around you you know what you told me but your website and it seems like you have an affinity for creative forms of biofeedback biohacking and artistic endeavors that uh, interface with our minds and bodies I mean is that somewhat accurate oh yeah I think that I think that's pretty topical it's 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 I've been sort of, I mean, I live in these two worlds. I live in this world of uh, biomedical um, equipment design and also, um, you know, the artistic expression of such. And so um, the vernacular is, is interesting. Uh, the, the, on the art side, I mean, I, <clears throat> I, I consider the work that I do there to be a kind of um, artistic practice that involves, uh, you know, it's a, it, it, it involves participant um Involves participants really, and yeah. so the, the the participant themselves becomes part become part of the uh, the ultimate creation, and then um, depending on who's participating, you know it it can vary actually. You know the 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 you know the 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 results can vary. Results what's, can vary. So, what's kind of the goal you have though with the participation, and is it to engender some kind of state, or is it more of just a creative expression? Well. <clears throat> The, the goal here really is is a kind of exploration into the phenomena of when it comes to people and their um, you know the, the things that that make us human like what are the qualities that uh, that occur in people um, that uh, um, allow us to come to judgment so for instance as we're talking here on this uh, you know, uh, device, right? Like, mm-hmm. so we're, you know, many hundreds of miles apart, but nevertheless, the data is coming to me and it's going to you over these wires and then you're hearing it. And then, and then this data is kind of coming into your, you know, into your b- brain through the ears and um, mostly ears now because the video is not working, but, and so then it registers in there in your brain and then it bounces around in there for about a half a second. And during that time, there's a kind of physiologic expression in your body that might be very subtle. That depends, uh, you know, kind of a bit related to probably what I'm saying, but it, it, and it, it could be a very um, kind of very, um, you know, subtle kind of response, you know, like maybe a change in pupil dilation or heartbeat or a respiratory rate or something like that. And, and maybe if I said something that reminded you of something, you know, like maybe um, a particular, um, you know, joyful or traumatic event that you might have experienced in your past, you know, the response might be stronger. And so mm-hmm. these things lead to a kind of, um, of, 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 of a feeling state in the body that then our conscious processes, uh, you know, are, 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 are what I should say more, not conscious, but are processes that allow us to form opinions, these kind of higher level cognitive processes. Uh, the, this, this sort of emotional substrate data allows these higher, um, the, uh, the kind of more um, complicated uh, 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 processes that allow us to come to opinions about things. They allow those to happen. And so it's a kind of early look at, 
that that the, uh, the the kind of data processing ability that we have, and so it, it it's a kind of it's it it's a the the, the art that I'm I'm working on allows a, a, <clears throat> it permits a kind of voice to be given to these um, physiological signals that that underlie our ability to come to judgment, mm-hmm. and so so uh, <clears throat> maybe what I could do is give an example. So there's a project I'm working on now uh, called Biometric Campfire. And so it's six individuals that sit, or, sit in these campfire chairs. And the chairs are outfitted with physiological monitors. And in particular here, what we're doing is looking at just the, uh, the electrocardiogram of each individual. So kind of the heartbeat, like the electrical signal made by your heart. And, and then the, there, are, there are aspects that in our bodies that speed up the heart or slow down the heart depending on whether, uh, you know, we need to have a sympathetic response to what's going on or a parasympathetic response. And so it's a kind of thing, we're not really actually sort of fully often consciously aware of, of this process, but it, sure. it's, a, it's a precursor state that, that de- definitely affects our judgment. Like if, if, if we're in an activated state and our heart's beating up, then the thoughts that, the way that the kind of opinions that we might come to in that state are different than if maybe our heart's sort of slowing down. And so um, an example there is, um, is let's say you're really upset and your heart's pounding and and you're writing a letter to somebody that you're really upset about. And and then maybe you wait a day and and write that letter then. And and the differences between those two letters um, and that uh, it could be, you know, in a way indexed almost by the the changes in, in, in the behavior of one's heart during, during those two time periods um, or two compared time periods. So anyway, the biometric campfire, what it does is it, is it, it, is it gives a kind of voice to this data in a group setting. And then, uh, so you feel your own heartbeat in each chair. And then you also see a representation of your heartbeat in this kind of central pillar, which behaves like a deconstructed campfire. And so you see your relationship. So as a kind of photonic energy, so like a light pulse appears in this fire, that is yours and also the other six people or the other five people also have their own light pulse that's associated with it and then there's a kind of average signal that is also created that um, you know looks at kind of the temperament of the whole group from this physiologic perspective and so you see a kind of like 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 signal or like a like a kind of it's sort of like an electric fire that, that bounces around much like a real fire, but it's, it's sensitive to the physiologic state of the group. So if the group synchronizes in its heart rate, which sometimes it does, then uh, the fire gets bigger and brighter. And if it desynchronizes, it gets less. And uh, it just sort of goes through this kind of random walk, much like a real fire, but it's driven by the source physiology. So there's this kind of photonic expression of the group, physio- the individual and group physiology in the fire and so, uh, and then the other thing it does, this, this project is, is it, is it creates a musical composition so that mm. each person in the, in the, in, in, in the circle is sitting in a chair and that chair has a note of a, of a, a particular instrument assigned to it. And <clears throat> in this case, it's the note of a zither, but it can be changed. And, and then, uh, <clears throat> as the heartbeat occurs, the note of the zither is played and then the, the magnitude of the note or the loudness of the note is kind of the loudness of the heartbeat. And then the, um, the rhythm of the note is the rhythm of the heartbeat. And it's it, what, what, the, what the whole um, 
uh, project does is it creates a kind of melody that that's based on the note, the instrument of the zither that is a function of sort of the physiology, the combined and individual physiology of the group. So <clears throat> in this particular case, you've got six people sitting together and they're creating a musical composition and an, a kind of visual composition that's strictly a function of their body's physiology before, they're co- before they come to judgment, basically. And so it's a kind mm-hmm. of, un- in a way, sort of an unconscious ab- like it's it, it's an exploration into what would it mean to be creative if the the conscious mind in a way or the cognitive processes were not involved like 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 what's the contribution of the unconscious mind to the create to creative expression sort of like a body consciousness uh, body, exactly yeah body yeah. mind yeah, personification Ex- of that uh-huh. you, exactly yeah like a body consciousness that um. You know, uh, uh, but before, like, you know, let's say somebody's playing the piano or something and and there there's, you know, if you're if you're, um, you know, trying to, let's say, create something new, you know, like a composition, then, you know, your 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 mind's involved in order to move the skeletal muscles in your body to manipulate the fingers, which press the key to create that note. And so there's a very different kind of process involved there. Um you know, that it would be to simply measure the heart and, 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 and extract data from the heart simply as it's beating. Right. Uh, but, but it also varies. So there's a kind of variation that the heart undergoes that doesn't really require your, um, you know, doesn't require, it requires a different, very different kind of set of processes that occur in the body to move the heart around. And it, there's a kind of language associated with these things. Like, um, you know the heart. The heart. You know, in a, like, you could say in a way like the language of the heart in this case. And this is a language that that sort of sits. It's unlike the language that we're using here that, that during this you know interview. And it, it it sort of sits below culture and skin color and um, yeah and all that stuff. Like it, it's very kind of fundamental. And it, probably we don't really have very good words to describe this language. And so. The point of this project was to try to give this language a voice, and um, it was just kind of a way of doing that by employing the other sensory frameworks that we have. Do you have you thought of ways, or you found ways that another way of talking about this um, heart voice, or you know, heart knowledge, intuition, perhaps um, mm-hmm. other ways for us to kind of tap into this beyond being. I don't know, beyond, I mean, these are, I I like these artistic expressions and creative means of seeing it. That's always awesome. Um, And I think at the end of the day, we, we, there's a lot of talk about body and mind in the wellness world, um, as if there's two minds, there's two consciousness or two parts of our beingness that we're working to be in touch with. And I think that's something that people recognize as a lot of value to somehow getting in touch with more of their heart consciousness, which seems to be more of a witness state, uh, more of a softness and one that's less frenetic and less in the fear mode and more connective and compassionate. But one often it has a lot of uh, wisdom for us. So have you found any ways through this work or personally about tapping into that, into that knowledge, into that space? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I guess the way I've kind of started to think of this, you know, you mentioned um, the, this kind of idea of a witness state. That I think that's such a good word 
really for for what's happening here. It's it, I, I think what this kind of art project, these sort of arts expressions allow when they're they're you're, you're kind of exposed to your physiology and the group and, and a kind of like community's physiology simultaneously. Um, you, you, you become a kind of witness to the process and you can sort of relax into that state a bit, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's quite comforting, really. It, it, um, I mean, it, there's a, I, <clears throat> what I've experienced when people, it's a very new project, but what I've experienced when people sit in it is that they, they do tend to be very focused on what's happening sort of like right now or just even what's happening just as the coming of now, you know, kind of like very, very just, I don't know, it's a little trance-like. It's fascinating. Um, the, you know, I, I guess, you know, the this body-mind thing. So I, I, I think the way, like, people, I know, it, it is common kind of like to sort of think of these things as being a bit separate. And uh, I, I guess I've come right. to think of it as this... Um, this rolling towards judgment. So like this rolling towards the generation of opinion, which, you know, then leads to expectation and, and, um, you know, and, all, and uh, you know, kind of related ilk. But uh, so you, you kind of have the, the precursor state, uh, this sort of emotional affect state, which, which then creates a substrate, which allows then the coming of judgment to, to proceed. But it's a kind of moving window where, where this, we're the sort of moving trajectory of, of constantly coming to judgment, opinions, um, the reaction, the, the, the reflection of our opinions back into the environment, which then permits us to have uh, new physiological responses, which then encourage a new coming to judgment. And then it's this sort of window. So it, it's, it's like, and, and, and I think our concept of like where the present actually is, is, is at this point where it, 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 it's um, what there's so let me like from a physiologic point of view from like a neurophysiological point of view like when we receive data that comes into our bodies through our eyes and our ears it um, it takes about 50 milliseconds for that data from the from audio data to come in and register in our brain. And it takes about a hundred milliseconds for visual data to come in. And then that data, and because the audio data is a little faster, it's a little bit less complicated than visual data. So it, it comes in a little quicker. And then it takes about a half a second or so for that data to bounce around in the brain. And about the earliest we can come to an opinion about it is about uh, 500 milliseconds or about a half a second after it bounces around in there. And it might take about three seconds. And so then after all that, we come to a kind of opinion about what happened, and then that opinion then will have an influence in terms of what future information we hope to receive, you know, associated mm-hmm. with this thing or, or what or how we might choose to filter it in a way or like because we could turn our head away from what we're experiencing or we could close our ears or we could start talking or any of these things that would then influence the environment that is allowing us to receive that, you know, any new data again. And so there's a kind of recursive phenomena. So we hear the, we, we, we perceive the data, it bounces around in our brain. We have this physiologic expression on the physiologic expression sits our coming to judgment, our coming to judgment then influences our behavior in that environment. And so the, 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 where now is located actually like the exact moment of time of now is, 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 is kind of like right at 
that moment between the physiologic expression probably or somewhere in there and the coming to judgment like that's probably where now is and um and so in a way the coming to judgment is a kind of sort of aft like it's sort of a little bit of a it's it's speculative and not exactly now and uh the and the um the physiologic data is really um you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like probably represents our full awareness of the now, I guess. Well, so it gets to questions of free will and whether we even have it, maybe, because it's <laughs> sort of like, yeah, where, so, is the, where is the so truth astute. of yeah. our being? Is it in the yeah, nanoseconds before we actually think we're making decisions or when our body is reacting in a way without our minds cognitively choosing X, Y, Z? I mean, I also start to think about how technology or the the coming of AI in different ways and, you know, how, how it is interacting with our minds and our heart minds and, you know, what kind of choices we are making with that and how it's amplifying our, our consciousness and our connection or lack thereof. Because I would assume, you know, one of your modes of doing this artistic work is not just to kind of give expression to that and but there, there's you're talking about there's a form of group connection there's a connection you know deepening some kind of connection to yourself and your own inner process and your mind and your heart and there's this interaction with these other people so inherently it's about how it all comes together in a group um is that yes, part of it too Oh, completely, yeah. I, I the first work in this area was very individual, and so it was just you experiencing your own heartbeat, and then there was a kind of creative expression there too. But you know, it's 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 it. it I, you know, I work in these. Um, you know, I've been involved with these kind of collaborative art enterprises for a long time, and so with um, Fishbone, a five hundred one c three based in Santa Barbara, and then also more recently SPCAS, the Santa Barbara Center for Art, Science, and Technology, and um, and so the um, you know there's very different kinds of things that can happen, you know, for individual, you know, when you're when you're kind of working solo versus kind of working in a group, and then you know, especially when it comes to this idea of kind of creative expression, and so. This project was an attempt to kind of like think about the context of the group, um, you know, from a physiologic point of view, and the and the kind of expression that could happen in that in that context. Yeah, well, that's fun. I mean, it's kind of a. I know you've done a lot of these types of projects over the years, but I think what is at the forefront of what's going on has a lot to do with how we interface with technology physically and emotionally, because it's already happening in a sort of unconscious way with our hyper tacked out lives. Um, I think it could be interesting if developers bring more of this in um, and because and, you know, there's more and more options for us uh, you know, with technology of how we can kind of tweak ourselves and get information and um, biophysiological information. There's a lot of different directions mm-hmm. it could, could go. Uh, exactly. And I think our choice to, you know, for how we, I, I think this data, actually, this, this physiologic data is super, like right now when we work with our computer frameworks, you know, if you're a designer or an architect or something like that, you, you, you're, you're working on, let's say, a model of a house or a, 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 a building, right, for a company or something. And, and so let's say it's a house and, and you're, uh, you're, you're, you're working on these different rooms of the house and then 
uh, I'm just kind of you know presenting a thought experiment here. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you get to the foyer of the house, you know, the entrance kind of, and and what if what if the computer could tell that you were a little bit emotionally like not like you weren't feeling so great about it. Like it wasn't something you could really communicate to the computer through the use of your mouse or your keyboard, but what if the computer was aware of your emotional state, tenor, affect, you know, as you were working on the foyer and could realize that you were sort of a bit frustrated, right, with what was going on. And then it maybe sounds like the, some two thousand one Hal shit, you know. <laughs> and then it's like, exactly, yeah. You need no, a sleeping like, pill, yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it, but it, I think it also kind of. I, I, I'm bringing it up because it, it. This is this is I think work that's very, you know, it's very much within reach, and allows our results actually the things that we work on and the things that we care about. Um, allows them to become more emotionally connected to us, like we're, we'd be less likely. Like we can find the more perfect answer actually mm-hmm. by using strategies like this. And so because we, we can disguise so much of our emotional state when we use the just the mouse and the keyboard. Like like for instance, when you just send a text message, right, to someone and how it can be interpreted a million different ways, that text and right. depending on the context and, and our imagination kind of fills in the blanks, but and you know, emoticons help, I think. <laughs> You know, they're kind of like an attempt to sort of get at this stuff. Right. But um, but there's a, a way to actually go deeper and be clearer. And, um, you know, if, 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 our, if our computational frameworks were aware of our affective state, they could do things like, say, like in this case of this architect working on the Fourier, the computer might suggest, well, how about you and I, we drop into an emotional, motivational state resonance loop, and then I iterate on designs, and you can just perceive what's happening and then I can see if there's a drift in your emotional state towards something that's more desirable. And then the computer might iterate through designs at about three, three, three designs per second or a design per second. And then uh, the architect could sit there and, and experience that. And then, and then the computer might say, oh, I can see that you kind of like this direction a little bit more. And so why don't we settle on that? Uh, basic idea and then drop into the normal state where, uh, you know, we just, I just send the data to you and then you think about it and then you respond through the mouse or the keyboard. But on one level, we're asking technology or hoping that it can fill in the blanks for where we've already like feel missing links that we've designed. For instance, we have technology to make communication easier, like video chatting. And it's pretty good for getting facial expressions and really feeling like you're with a person. But a lot of times we choose text because it's easier, shorter. We don't have to connect. But ironically, we're looking for that connection. That's what's driving a lot of these things. We're trying to make technology that can help us communicate our feelings or maybe sense our feelings to basically connect with the world. That's sort of what social media is. It just isn't that effective at it. It's effective at other things, like keeping our attention. And it'd be great if, I mean, authenticity and human connection and getting back to the basics that's in our DNA for hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years, of community and small tribes and seeing people and having meaningful interaction is really what we're yearning for deep down on some level. And we're trying to like back engineer through all sorts of technology and experiences and apps ways to feel what is sort of our birthright which is just to like look in someone's eyes and you feel heard and Mm -hmm. you know an emoji is like a vestige of that a digital attempt at of filling in the blanks yeah i think that's so spot on that just really um 
that really is the deal, actually. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, we're, we are in this situation, right? A very unusual situation where there's, you know, push 8 billion people on the planet yeah. and we're, uh, you know, and in, in, in just in the, from 1974 to 2025, we're, we're going to double. We were 4 billion in, in 74 and, and 2025 will be wow. 8 billion. And, and so that's the largest increase of human population ever to have wow. occurred. Is four billion people in fifty years, and so, you know, and then and then of course that's coupled with this sort of phenomenal growth of the web and and all the energy that's used to 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 create that. In addition to all the supporting infrastructure, the electrical systems infrastructure, the transportation right. infrastructure, and so, what we're doing is we're burning up the um, the, the metabolic resources of the planet, the oil, and we're oh burning God. that in order to support this sort of like extensive growth. In these areas, and um, and you know, it, it, it kind of appears as though we're burning ourselves up, you know, <laughs> yeah. global warming, as a consequence of all this. And it's uh, we we need to become far more conscientious about what the hell it is we're doing. And it's like the frog in the pot that slowly heats the water and doesn't realize it because it's slowly raising the temperature of the water around us. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and from a geologic perspective, it is like we've, from a, you know, a flash in the pan, like everything was fine and dandy up to 100 years ago. <laughs> it, you know, it's kind of gotten seriously wrong. And, and even that, even that extremely high speed event that we're in this, this sort of the Anthropocene, right, this sort of potentially sixth, sixth extinction event, even though we're right flat dab in the middle of that, we still can't actually viscerally, I mean, the, 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 the people that study this are viscerally aware of it, and the people that are that, that think about it are, are aware of it, but, you know, I, I think that just, we're not actually fully viscerally aware of it, because of the speed, it's still too slow for the human nervous system to comprehend, and, um, and that's... A, uh, Which is crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's actually, totally, it's so obvious it's this so is nothing obvious, to, yeah. has nothing to do with like whether you believe in uh, greenhouse gases being the effect of I don't even know if I want to say believe, but it's more like our sense of separation from the earth itself and our this idea, this old idea that the earth is here for us to spoil and to use at our to our however we like and damn the consequences. Like if you it's like filling up the ocean with garbage and plastic. You know, you know, getting a cup of, of the ocean and having uh, these particles of plastic in every single drop, um, that to me is a tragedy, whether or not we can continue civilization with that in our face, which we probably can't. Like the hubris that, oh, we can do this, we can do that. It doesn't really affect like the greater system whole. Everything affects the greater system whole, as we always find out. But there's this attitude uh, that we can we can transcend with more technology and what's missing there is that aspect of love for what is us which is the world and everything we get from it I mean, we are it we're, we're sitting here just i'm made of it as much as you are as much as uh my iphone is made of the earth too and yeah. it's just kind of a crazy a crazy disconnect in human psychology that we have to have tragedy to change especially group collective tries like no one wants to be the one to suffer intentionally when there's still like a dance and singing going on on the deck of the titanic they're like well, well then why should i jump ship first and obviously there are many many people on this planet who are mourning it and taking action uh but driven by industry that's really you know the big show in town is is 80 percent, i think or more of 
basically our consumption comes from making shit and yeah. <clears throat> energy systems and all that stuff. But um, not to not to simplify like the climate crisis, but I do think that like technology and it's related to what we're talking about because that attitude that we're going to invent our way out of it may work in the short term, but the deeper wound uh, is our own disconnect from what we are and who we are. And maybe this sort of heart mind that you're speaking to and uh, our natural connection that maybe we're not even fully realizing at times because we're interfacing with certain technologies or our lives that cover it up or aren't showing it to us. And mm-hmm. it would be good if we're not going to get rid of the tech. So it's like, it would be good if that tech could, we could integrate that into our, our systems more. Mm-hmm. It could teach yeah. us. I, I think so. I think that it, um, it's, I think it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are racing down a path of, of who knows what, but, um, it's, it's one that I think about a lot just because even just the way I make music, it uses a lot of technology. Mm-hmm. And, but I know at the end of the day, that level of authenticity or the voice or a basic rattle and rhythm, you know, these are the things that are the backbone of it all. Mm-hmm. How's that hot tub? <laughs> I can hear it. Oh, God. <laughs> I can hear it. Just, uh, well, getting, just get, thinking. Getting um, sous vide. <laughs> the, um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I but, but a number of years ago, you know, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> I think I've been aware of the, the kind of um, present cataclysm, you know, that we're headed to and, that it feels like we're just part of right now. And, um, you know, at one point, I guess I was sort of thinking, well, you know, you know, like the, there's Edward Abbey, you know, and he has this book about called earth abides. And, and so, okay. So humanity, we're these, um, unfortunate primates and we have these proclivities towards greed and, um, and, uh, and self-absorption and, uh, and, uh, there's so many of us right now and that uh, so we, 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 you know, we'll, 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 you know, in a way sort of affect these carbon dioxide levels on the planet and then we'll, we'll, we'll affect sort of significant change. And then, um, and then maybe in some, you know, uh, you know, uh, short period of time here, we'll like, like wipe ourselves out and then, and then uh, perhaps wipe most everything else out with us. And, and, but then the earth will sort of, you know, perhaps, you know, in a way sort of recover over millennia and, and, and then something new will happen. And, you know, there's some kind of like weird, strange sort of small solace. You know, I, I think maybe I was taking in that idea. And, and then more recently I'd become aware that this actually could not be the outcome at all is that, is that we could actually take the planet, you know, uh, planet Earth, and and turn it into something that's a little bit more like Venus, where it has, um, you know, it's a kind of runaway effect, where we actually uh, create a situation where the planet becomes completely uh, uninhabitable, like to the point of, of being at extremely high temperatures and un- unable to support life. And uh, and I, I came to that realization some years ago, and uh, and so it's just sort of... You know, I, I feel like the stakes actually are very high, and uh, the and that we just really—it's just super, super important for us to get our heads screwed on right about uh, you know, and our bodies connected to our minds, and us connected to the earth and to each other, um, 
in, in a way that just hasn't, or in a way that maybe we can do it with 8 billion people, you know? Um, or yeah. if people just started having one child, it would balance out over a hundred years. I think it would go down to like a few billion. It'd be much, much yeah, more manageable. Yeah, that, that's, that's the, if, if we no did. No one has to had, die except naturally, <laughs> you know? Yeah, if there was, if we could just hold it together, you know, in a way, like, um, because then it's like you could keep using resources, not that we should, but it'd only be like a billion or two people instead of eight of them. And yeah, everything would just go down. Yeah, it seems like the carrying capacity of the planet, I, you know, of course, this is a subject of some debate, but, it, you know, it appears it's roughly around a couple billion people, you know, about one quarter of where we're at now. That appears to be the at, at our system. consumptive levels. Yeah, like we could That's absolutely true. fit lots more people if we all lived in permaculture ways, for sure. There's a lot of land. Um, and there's right. a lot of there are a lot of natural resources. We just use them in such a a way that it just despoils our systems. Um, like yeah. Sort of our carbon based life of you know basically blowing things up to make things happen, whether it's coal or or oil or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I I, I mean my my hope is there's not some sort of Malthusian correction or massive die off, other than. Like, I don't want to bring suffering. I know suffering is sort of why we're here. But I also, you're kind of speaking to why I do what I do. And I always try to tread that line of helping people tap into that intuitive space, that space inside. And, and in that space, there's often a place of connection to their greater world and community. And doing so in a way that I hope engenders more connection to the outside world and to themselves simultaneously. It's not just like a narcissistic exercise of digging into the self while blocking out what's really happening in the world. Because action is important, um, but that, you know, we don't need a bunch of wounded healers going around who are just bringing their own shadow into the world in amplified ways, which. I don't know. I just I really feel like something has to happen from the inside out as opposed to a I don't see a top-down solution coming from the outside in. Mhm. Yeah. I I uh, I I think that's right. I think that <clears throat> the 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 kind of number one task really is to um like if we were somehow able to communicate sort of what was happening environmentally like like there, there's sort of these spheres of human caring like when, when it comes to any of us and so the uh, you know like when when you wake up in the morning and maybe put on your clothes and the things that you decide to put on and wear and then <clears throat> if you're living your, your apartment or wherever it is you're living or maybe you're living in a yurt in mongolia or whatever and uh and kind of like well what's the state of affairs in my how in my place where I'm living and what needs to be straightened. And then, and then there's this kind of thought about, well, the, the, the place I'm living is re resident in a larger community. And then, um, and then, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, if we're driving a vehicle or if we're taking a subway, like what do we care about the subway that we're in or, and there, there's a kind of pretty steep drop off between in these spheres of caring and they're, they're very related to proximity. So, you know, the, the things that are closest to us, that we've known the longest are the things we care about the most and the things that are further away that we, we care about the least. And, and it, it, there are provisions I think to be able to enhance, to help this, you know, the, expand this reach of human caring. 
and it's a kind of and this is where technology can be helpful is is to allow the uh, technology to allow us to better see um, the world as though it was extremely close to us mm. and and th- and this can be this can be quite difficult in an urban setting which is where most of the people are living now on the planet I think just turned a couple of years ago where the majority of people are living in urban environments and so these are our environments of thought and not so much of nature and and so uh, there, there there's a, a, a real importance in trying to um, to uh, have natural phenomena, uh, the, nat- the natural environment connect in a way that we all fully get the same way that we would be connected as if we were in the mid- walking in the middle of a forest or something. And um, and th- there's a kind of um, you know, and, and 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 in particular when it comes to things like like the the climate change that we're experiencing, like like we relate well to like an earthquake or or maybe an exploding volcano because it's occurring at the same speed that our our nervous systems occur at, and so if we could, if we could somehow convey the speed of the of of the the the, the global warming phenomena, even even though it's it, it it you know to some people it appears as though oh like they're still questioning whether or not it could exist. I mean, I hear that, and then uh, but if you look at the record, of course, it becomes an intuitive. It becomes obvious that it is happening extremely fast, mm-hmm. but still like on a deep, deep intuitive level, like if it. If, if we could somehow convey this in a way that was as clear as, as um, you know, our, our relationship to our children or our very good friends or the clothes that we wear or any of those things, that we truly viscerally understood it as affecting our health and livelihood, I think that we would change. And I think we just are in a position to kind of block it out because it's a little bit it's just there's a conceptual leap, I think, maybe, or other things dominate, like our sense of self-preservation or, or right. um, and our, our, I, our feelings of greed or whatever kind of like become strong enough to allow us to sort of forget how important it is or how I wonder relevant. how much of it's generational, too. I mean, if that's a saving grace, just time going by and generations evolving, I, I'm not sure, but... The, People, uh, it's always easier to to work with is in front of you, and that's not a it's not really a bad thing to start there. I mean, if you start treating yourself and your neighbors and your community um, in a more positive fashion, I, I would hope that would start to bleed out in certain ways. But I don't know. It definitely gets into human psychology, which is complex. Yeah, yeah. Human psychology and um our, our sensory frameworks and our, uh, our propensity for, uh, self-preservation and our, um, our, well, our, 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 willingness to experience our willingness to, to head to fear. And well, in the ways that we're messing with our sensory experiences in the last 10 years, you know, iPhone's now 10 years old. And I think that was a seismic shift in humanity. And, um, I don't really think we fully grokked what that is doing or has done or even really we're really headed with it there's whether or not you put ai into the picture but we're really at an interesting time of deep change that we're sort of largely aware of and there's a lot of it under the surface where we're not really sure its effects or what's going on or even what we're doing with all these tools um 
but we're just kind of moving forward full force. And it's an amazing time of innovation and sort of connection. Like we're hyper-connected, but also disconnected in, in very fundamental ways. Yeah, both are happening at the same time. And there's a, I, I think there is a kind of potential salvation there through our connectivity. Mm-hmm. And there were plenty of warnings about it, starting with Marshall McLuhan and perhaps earlier about yeah. the, uh, the global uh, – what he coined the global village where when he perceived this when Sputnik went up and he said that the entire world was going to be a, become kind of like a, a village where no matter who was speaking we'd all have to listen to it and whether or not they made any sense you know <laughs> that's Twitter and, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah Twitter exactly that's a very good it's like a, the public stocks right on Twitter yeah. the um, yeah so um, I know and uh just have to do the best we can. (laughs) Well, you do. I mean, underneath it all, I sense some optimism from you. And I also, but I also sense a certain level of distance from witnessing it over the years. But, you know, creating art like you're doing or myself creating art is sort of one response to this because we're trying to speak to something that's more nuanced and larger and a, a bigger than us. And only really creative expression can do that at the end of the day to reflection and a mirror hopefully of mm-hmm. of these new these sort of complex things going on behind the scenes and just the mystery itself and it's important to have that as a reflection i i, th- I think so i th- I, th- I think in um and uh you know i've i've, I've attended a um a, um a couple of your performances um trevor and you know I, I you know there's a kind of language you know that you're using too that <clears throat> sort of um you know, sits outside of, you know, spoken, you know, kind of like the, you know, what we normally use to communicate, like our texting and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to almost, um, I mean, you're, 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 it's a kind of reaching, right. For like, how do we, you know, how do we do it? How, how, how do you, how do you try to communicate a sort of, um, something that's very, very critical to people in a way they can really understand that, uh, that that pr- promotes lasting change that is 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 helpful for all of us yeah it's probably many things right uh and i we have if we focus on our own gifts and what we have to give i know for me i hope that it's like planting a certain seed or a certain felt experience that is important to them and powerful so i aim just to make it as powerful as i can but while still something that's going to work for a broader range of people and I, I'm speaking mostly about my uh, ceremony live experience that I've been developing and performing. I, you know, I'm just really working to think about how can I, or how can I have something that's a doorway that almost anyone could walk into, despite their backgrounds, and there's, they can have a felt experience that hopefully is going to bring them closer to themselves and making positive choices for themselves and 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 whatever is being planted beyond that is sort of beyond me it's like i'm opening a doorway to spirit and intuitive universal knowledge that i'm not in control of and i'm not the one pressing down the dogma i would hope that they're coming up with their own inside and that's my own trust that there's some kind of greater force of love if you wish to call it that I'm in service to as well, and I need just as much as anybody else. But God help us if it's not there. But my my heart knowledge tells me it is, and so 
we just have to, I don't know, you know, yeah, do, I, I, do what we I think, think is it right. is there. It just, it, it just needs the right circumstance. It need, we need lots of reminders, I think. Lots, yeah. yeah. Well, we're fighting something at the same time, which is distraction and suffering and, and all, everything that's going on. Like you said, you know, in the face of what's really occurring right now, um, mm-hmm. it's such a strange time. So <laughs> it's a lot of juxtaposition. Yeah, it's hard to keep your balance. Yeah. So we need inspiration and we also need some shocking into <clears throat> so- sobriety at times. And I mean, I can't say what the perfect recipe is, but, you know, being in a hot tub like yourself, that sounds like a good start. <laughs> <laughs> so you caught me at this moment, but uh, <laughs> well, it's yeah, a great there, moment. <laughs> yeah, well, there's you know there's there's adversity too, and pleasure, and uh, and and yeah, uh, I don't know. It's so quite a mix. The world, you know, mm-hmm. it's quite a mix. Well, hey man, I enjoyed talking. And um, how can people kind of look at some of these things you're talking about and dig into your work? Is it through your website the best? Yeah, probably. That's a, a good one. So that's just uh, a l a n m a c y. And then dot uh, com. That's it. AlanMacy.com. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, man, I wish I could join you there in Santa Barbara, but I'll have to wait till my next journey that direction. I think I'm heading somewhere else. I think east next. So. Thank you, Trevor. Really a pleasure speaking to you. I look forward to connecting again. Thanks, man. folks there you go thank you alan macy for giving us your time i really enjoyed that conversation and i was jealous that i couldn't sit in the hot tub with him or or have a hot tub at that point in time this music you are hearing is called inside and it's from the album music to die to and it's sister record music to be born to uh don't be afraid of music to die to you know it's music or music to be born to really it's sort of either or, right? It's sort of one and the same thing, different sides of the coin, the same energy of life and creation. And that album is pretty close to my heart. It's all music from a psilocybin ceremony, actually, that was improvised on the spot and created from the energy of that moment. So it, I think it carries a special channel in it, and it's... Uh, quite effective for a lot of things and that's just one of the songs that came out and I hope you enjoy it you can find that anywhere you listen to music including eastforest.org and eastforest.org that's also where you can find all those tour dates and stuff and hey did you know in the merch section if you hit the merch thing we've added those scents my East Forest perfume oils I know that sounds a little weird but it's actually something I got kind of into I'm very into smells and I use them in the the ceremony concerts that I've been doing and you can get them now online. There's two of them. Toadlick that I wear every day and Angel's Rest. I, I wear that too sometimes, but it's I'd say it's a bit more feminine. It's, but they're both really stunning and unique. Give them a shot. Give them a try. All right, kids. Hope to see you on the road. Colorado, November 8th through 11th. Durango, Denver, Grand Junction. Esalen Institute, Big Sur, California, November 16th through 18th. Blah, 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 blah. I love you. I will talk to you soon. East Force signing out. Keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit, but when you do, you know what to do. You do it with grace.
in